Welcome to our online uh, worship experience. This is Pastor Brian, and on behalf of Chapel of Change, we thank you uh, for allowing us to lead you in worship, lead you in prayer, and now lead you uh, in the study of God's Word. Uh, We're going to be studying today uh, from chapter 4 of 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, if you can turn there uh, with your Bibles. Now, we titled this series, Living in the Know, uh, because the Apostle John, who is the writer of this letter, uses that word over and over and over again, like 30 times in this short letter. He wants us to know God. He wants us to know that we are saved. He wants us to know uh, what fellowship is all about. He wants us to know uh, what love is about. And we're learning that they that live in the know, K-N-O-W, live with power, they live with passion, and they live with purpose. They live with purpose. Now, we are going to be looking at First John chapter 4, the entire chapter, Instead of teaching this chapter verse by verse, uh, I will be highlighting uh, two main reflections uh, that are in this chapter. I divide this chapter into two sections, and each one has a main idea. Section one is verses one through six. Uh, section two is verses seven through 21. Now again, each section has a main idea that I want us to reflect on in our study uh, today. Uh, in fact, um, Apostle John in this chapter uh, highlights two critical things that Christians should be walking in. Two critical things that Christians should be walking in. Now, it's amazing that this 2,000-year-old letter can still be relevant for us today, still giving us instructions on how to handle uh, today. That's what the Word of God is. It's inspired by God for us, um, and particularly that we might live a Christ-like life uh, in our generation. So, let me identify the two critical things that Apostle John points out that we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, should be walking in. So follow along with me. Number one, someone say number one. Number one, discernment. Someone say discernment. Discernment. Now I want to call, draw your attention to a couple verses. Listen to verse one. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God or of God. Verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So I want you to notice um, he is uh, speaking about discernment, discernment. The Apostle John specifically uh, in this first section of chapter 4 is challenging uh, their discernment. He's challenging their discernment. He wanted the church to grow 
in their discernment. Now, for the sake of our study, what is discernment? What is discernment? Well, a discernment is the ability uh, to know truth from error and right from wrong. Discernment is the ability to know truth from error and right from wrong. Apostle John said uh, there were many false prophets, false teachers that, it, that invaded the church at that time. Apostle John also said that the spirit of the Antichrist uh, was amid them and it would be discernment that protected them. Discernment would protect them from the wolves. Discernment would protect them from error. Discernment would protect them from going the wrong direction. So let me, let me highlight this for us. Uh, discernment protects us from lies. Discernment protects us from deception. Discernment protects us from going the wrong direction uh, in life. Uh, Lord, we pray that you give us more discernment. Give us more discernment. What is discernment? It is the ability to know uh, truth from error, right from wrong. Solomon, who was the son of King David, when he... Uh, got to the throne of Israel, uh, one of the first things that he prayed for was discernment. He prayed for discernment. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, uh, you hear Solomon when he says to God, he says, give your servant a discerning heart to discern, to govern your people and to distinguish right from wrong. To distinguish um, between right and wrong. That's discernment. That's what we need to pray for. That's what we need more of in our generation. My, uh, my friends, a beloved church, chapel of change, followers of Jesus Christ. One of the markers uh, of the end days, one of the markers of the last days is that there will be a spirit of deception unleashed into the world and onto a society. That's one of the markers of living in the last days, that there'll be the spirit of deception unleashed in society. It's 2020. It's 2020, and I believe, friends, that a new level of a spirit of deception has been unleashed upon the world, unleashed upon our society. So I want to, I want to warn you today, uh, beloved church. I want to, I want to encourage you today. You cannot just believe everything you hear. You cannot believe Everything you hear, you cannot believe everything you read. You can't do it today. There's a new level of the spirit of deception that has been unleashed upon this world. And so I encourage you and I even warn you, don't believe just everything you hear. Don't believe everything you you read. The Apostle John told us, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God. It's time, beloved church, that we start testing some things. It's time that we start testing some things. We test 
preachers, when we hear preachers uh, uh, speak, but it's beyond just preachers. We got to test what what uh, what community leaders say. We got to test what political leaders say. We got to test what the media says. I would even encourage you. Um, you better test that person before you marry that person. I would even encourage you. You better test them before you marry him. You better test her before you pledge your love to her. You better test that job uh, to discern whether or not it's from God or not. First Thessalonians 5.21, the Spirit of the Lord uh, encourages us. It says, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So the first uh, critical thing that we need to be walking in, beloved, particularly in our generation is a spirit of discernment. May the Lord increase our discernment. The second critical thing that uh, Apostle John highlights that we need to be walking in is radical love. Radical love. Apostle John actually uses the word love about 45 times in his short letter. Around 45, 46 times in his short letter. Let me bring up some of the verses in which he mentions love. This is just a few of them. Listen to this. Chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Look at verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Apostle John was big on challenging us to love one another. He was big on challenging the church to love people. Remember, we learned about the testimony of, of John, that the Lord transformed him from a son of thunder to the apostle of love. Remember that? Before he met Jesus, him and his brother was known as the sons of thunder, presumably because they had anger management problems. But by the time Jesus got done with him, he is known as the apostle of love. And now he is challenging us. He's challenging us to show radical love. Historically, um, one of the church fathers named Jerome, who lived during the time of Apostle John, when he was uh, really, really old in his age, he testified that when Apostle John uh, was really, really old in his age, he was so weak that they had to carry him into church services. They would carry the elder Apostle John into church services, and at the end of the church, uh, he would be held helped up to his feet uh, to give a word of exhortation uh, to the congregation. And every Sunday, without fail, the Apostle John would repeat to the congregation, little children, let us love one another. Little children, let us love one another. Every Sunday, they would lift up the elder Apostle John and he would give an exhortation to the congregation and he would say the same thing. Little children, let us love one another. And finally, the disciples kind of got weary and they got enough courage to ask 
Apostle John, why, why, Apostle John, why do you say the same thing over and over again? We heard it last week. We heard it last month. Why do you say the same thing over and over again? And history tells us, history, the church father, Jerome, tells us that Apostle John answered by saying, because it is the Lord's commandment, and if this is only done, it is enough. This is the Lord's commandment, and if this alone is done, it is enough. So Apostle John wants to make it very clear, beloved. He wants us to understand, understand that love is not optional for the believer. Love is not optional. In fact, a love is to be the distinguishing mark of the believers in our world. We, we, we are to uh, examine our, our lives to this supreme standard. I would, I would say, I would remind us, that love is the main ingredient of a follower of Jesus Christ. Love is the main ingredient of a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not power, it's love. It's not faith, it's love. Uh, it's not speaking in tongues, it's love. It's not prophecy, it's love. It's not knowledge, it's love. Love is the main ingredient of a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, uh, the Good News translation says this about love. It says, I may have the gift of inspired preaching. I may have all knowledge and understand all secrets. I may have all the faith needed to move mountains. But if I have no love, I am nothing. I may give away everything I have and, and even give up my body to be burned. But if I have no love, this does no, me no good. Powerful words. Powerful words that challenge, in a, challenge us. We need to examine. We need to examine our own lives by this supreme standard. And I would even go as far to say, as to say this church follower of Jesus Christ. I really believe uh, that we're living in a generation where um, a spirit of hatred has been unleashed into society. I really believe that. I believe we're living in a day where a spirit of hatred has been unleashed uh, into society. Today, 2020, we are living in a fragmented uh, society. People are hating each other. People are demonizing others who do not agree with them. In fact, you see the hate in politics. You see the hate in media. You even see the hate out in the streets. We're living in a generation where a new level of hate has been unleashed upon society. Poison isn't always something that you eat or drink. It could also be an emotion called hate. Hate eats up uh, you on the inside and causes destruction. Hate poisons our soul and it seeps and destroys uh, out into relationships. Let us examine our souls. Let us examine our hearts. Does hate have a place in our hearts? Does hate have a place in our hearts? 
Let me remind you, friends, that Jesus didn't save us just so that we can be a little better than everybody else. That's not why Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us to radically change our lives. Jesus lived, he died, and rose from the grave not to make us a little better than everybody else. No, he, he lived, died, and rose from the grave to radically change our lives and to create a new radical people that will demonstrate his love in the midst of a hateful generation. That's why Jesus died. That's why he rose from the grave. In fact, Jesus taught, he taught some radical things about love. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus taught us, love our enemies. That's radical. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus taught us, do good to those who hate you. That's radical. Jesus taught, bless those who curse you. Jesus taught, pray for those who mistreat you. That's radical. That's who Jesus died and rose from the grave to create a new radical people that will demonstrate his radical love in a hateful society. Beloved friends, if you're not willing, if you're not willing to do as Jesus instructed us to do, if you're not willing to love your enemies, if you're not willing uh, to uh, do good to those who hate you, if you're not willing to bless those who curse you, then we are not ready to be followers of Jesus Christ because he's called us into a radical lifestyle. Now, the good thing is he gives us the power to live out that radical life by virtue of his Holy Spirit. That's the good news. Jesus doesn't, doesn't just tell us to do something and expect us to do it in our own strength. No, he gives us the power to do it by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And he's looking He's looking for his people to demonstrate radical love in our generation. Radical love in the midst of what's going on in our society. Don't let the hatred get you to swallow the poison of hate. Now, Chapel of Change, we have seen demonstrations of radical love right in front of us. And I'm reminded of the time that I met for the first time uh, the person who killed uh, my older brother. In the early 1980s, my older brother, then at the age of 15 years old, was shot uh, to death. And a couple years ago, at our church, the Lord uh, brought me face to face uh, with the person who killed uh, my older brother. And it was a powerful demonstration of forgiveness and re reconciliation. But I want to share with you something that happened in the middle uh, of those days or in the middle of that miracle. About a day uh, into uh, Donald, that's his name, uh, being uh, with us, uh, the Lord put it upon my heart uh, to take him to dinner, to take him to dinner. And I kind of struggled with that uh, for a moment. And I was kind of pushing back, saying, God, why do I got to take him to dinner? Why do I got to take him to dinner? And the Lord wouldn't let me go. 
So I took Donald uh, to a local restaurant. I sat down with him and we talked. And it was a very, very uh, emotional time for me. I was struggling uh, through that uh, process. And then I started to think in my fleshly mind, God, I know you, you don't want me to pay for this dinner. I know you don't want me to pay for this dinner. I was thinking that in my mind, pushing back on God. And I felt just the Lord saying, yes, I want you to, I want you to pay for his dinner. And in my thinking, in my fleshly thinking, I was like, man, why do I got to pay for his dinner? He should be paying for my dinner. He should be paying for my dinner the rest of my life. That's how we think in our fleshly mind. And I thank God that the Lord gave me the strength to pay uh, for that dinner. And not long after that, I felt the impression of God upon my heart, kind of sitting me down, pulling my ear. And I felt the impression of God tell me, Brian, just want to remind you, just want to remind you, just want you to know, you didn't pay for that dinner. You didn't pay for that dinner. And I'm thinking, what do you mean I didn't pay for that dinner? I pulled out my money and I, I gave the waiter my money. I paid for that dinner. I paid for that dinner. And God sat me down. He pulled my ear. He said, no, 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 Brian. No, 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 no. When I found you, you didn't have nothing to your name. When I found you, you didn't have no money. You didn't have no freedom. I gave you that money, Brian. I paid for that dinner. And all I'm asking you is to give to others what I gave you. All I'm asking you to do is to give to others what I gave you. And I know you got it. I know you got it because I gave it to you. God began to pull my ear. And he didn't stop there either. You know, you know what else he put in my heart? He said, by the way, Brian, not only did I pay for that dinner, I paid for your sins. I paid for your sins when I hung upon the cross. You didn't deserve uh, my love, but I gave it to you anyways. And I paid the price for you to be redeemed. I paid the price for you to be saved. I paid the price for you to be delivered. I hung up on the cross and paid the ultimate price. All I'm asking you is to give to others what I freely gave to you. Beloved church. God is looking for his people to rise up in radical love in our generation. Don't get consumed by the hatred out there. Don't get consumed by the darkness out there. May we, may we grow in the discernment of the Lord. And may we grow in the radical love of Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus... I thank you for this word piercing through the monitor. I thank you that this word is anointed. and It's touching hearts right now, Lord God, right now. Father, we pray for discernment. We pray, help us to walk in the radical love of Christ. Don't allow us to be consumed by the darkness of our generation. Don't allow us to be sucked into the hatred of our generation. Help us to protect our hearts. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Maybe you're here 
watching. Maybe you're in your living room. Maybe you're in your kitchen. And maybe the Lord is oppressing upon your heart to surrender to Him. Maybe you felt the power of God. I feel the power of God. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is calling you back to Him. God is calling you back to Him. God's been working in your life for some months now, getting your attention. He's allowed certain situations to enter into your life to get your attention. You lost focus. But the love, the radical love of Christ is here to receive you back into God's arms. If you're listening to me right now and you need to repent from your sins, you need to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ either for the first time or rededicate your life to the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. I urge you, give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Simple prayer, but you need to say it and mean it from your heart. As an act of faith, I want you to just lift up your hands toward the monitor right now. If you need to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, lift up your hand right now towards the monitor. As just as an act of faith, all this is doing is, is you're, you're, you're responding to God in faith. This is a sign of surrender. Lifting up your hands is a sign of surrender. That's all, that's all we're doing. We're, 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 we're posturing our, our hearts in humility before God. Lift up your hands if you want to surrender to the Lord. If you, if you lifted up your hands, I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I am sorry. I messed up. Please Forgive me. Today I turn from my sins and I turn back to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to you as King. I surrender to you as Savior. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord God Almighty.